Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line, K-I-N-Y. Good evening. Good, well, it's not even evening. It's more like noon. Good afternoon and welcome to Action Line. I'm going to be your host, Jordan Lewis, and with me today in the studio is Senator Dan Sullivan. How are you doing Hey, today? good morning, Jordan. Great to be on the show, show with you. Uh, I'm doing great. It's great to be back in Juneau and... Uh, you know, it's, I'm giving my uh, speech, annual speech to the legislature tomorrow, which is a really big deal for me. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, Senator Murkowski and I get invited to do that every year, kind of lay out our priorities and uh, meet with a bunch of our legislators today. So it's great. Love it. Love being back in Juneau. That's good. I mean, could be could have been nicer weather, yeah, but it's, a little, it's, be- it's better this morning than it was last night. <laughs> oh, that is that is definitely true. So I understand you actually came with a preview of the speech you were going to give. Yeah, you know, I um, what I typically like to do is lay out my priorities uh, for for the year, in the hope that they're also the priorities of the legislature. And I think that um, tomorrow, uh, that's certainly what I, I I hope to achieve. And there are kind of three big areas. One, of course, which is kind of always my top priority, is revitalizing the Alaska economy, right? There's nothing more important than a strong economy, good jobs. You know, good jobs bring strength to communities, pride to individuals. So I talk a lot, I'm going to talk a lot about some of the areas where I see optimism in terms of the economy, uh, our resource development sector, of course, has some a couple really big projects. We have a lot of infrastructure dollars, federal dollars coming to the state, particularly in terms of telecommunications, roads, bridges, ports. The tourism sector is uh, rebounding quite well from the um, pandemic. And then an area that I really care deeply about, rebuilding our military, uh, military assets, both in the interior and South Central area, and importantly in, in Southeast um, with the Coast Guard. You know, there's a really good opportunity we have. We're gonna, I think we're on track, had a couple setbacks to get a icebreaker home ported right here in Juneau. That'll be giant for infrastructure jobs. You know, probably a couple hundred new Coast Guard members and their families. So a lot happening there. Then I'm going to talk about, hey, even if you have a strong economy, great jobs, everything looks like it's going well. If you can't address and get our arms around some of the big social challenges that we have, in some ways it's not even worth it, right? So I'm going to talk about some of the big ones that I have focused on as a senator. We have obviously very high rates of domestic violence and sexual assault in Alaska. Horrible. It's an issue I've been focused on since my time as attorney general. You know, we have this big challenge with addiction and overdose problems. We were making progress. I think the pandemic set us all back Uh, a little bit frustrated, not a little bit, very frustrated with the Biden administration. In that regard, their open border policies have let a gigantic flood of fentanyl. Fentanyl seizures in the last three years are up 4,000%. I mean, think about that. It's unbelievable. We all know people who have been suffering from that and then mental health challenges you know the youth of america have really been struggling in 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 ways that no other generation of our country has been struggling with some of these big mental health challenges particularly suicide among young americans suiciding young young american teenage girls just through the roof so things that i think we can all work on together on that and then finally uh, um, i'm going to talk a lot about 
foreign policy, national security. We have big challenges right now, what I call the new era of authoritarian aggression with Russia and China, the dictators there really being aggressive towards their neighbors, obviously Ukraine, but Taiwan. And then how Alaska can play a key role in addressing this challenge, which I think is going to be with us for decades, right? We have the resources, the military, the strategic location. And one frustration I've had, and I know a lot have, is where the Biden administration, particularly on the resource development side, has been limiting us, has been, you know, not viewing us as an opportunity for America, but shutting us down. And finally, I'm going to make a big pitch to the legislature on the Willow Project. Now, this is a project that's not in Southeast, but it's a big project on the North Slope, one of the most strategic projects in our state's history. It's a big oil and gas project, gigantic investments, enormous revenues, 2,500 jobs just to build it, and it's ready to go, right? We got, we're going to get a decision here in the Biden, from the Biden administration, a record of decision on the final environmental impact statement they just put out last week, but it's going to be a battle, and I'm asking everybody to, you know, get in the arena and battle this one out in the next 30 days. going to be really important. And the good news is, you know, unlike other resource development projects, this project, the Willow Project, has giant bipartisan support, stakeholder support throughout the state. Pretty much every leader in the state, particularly on the North Slope, is for it. And this will matter for Alaska, but it also really matters for the nation. I mean, this this project alone could increase oil production for America, for Alaska, by almost 200,000 barrels a day. That's really big for our state, really big for revenues. We're here in Juneau, but it's really important for the United States to be energy independent and um, have stronger energy security. So that's pretty much it. It'll be a little longer than that, but that's that's what I'm going to be focused on. Gotcha. I mean, you definitely have a, a pretty packed packed list of things to cover tomorrow, for sure. Well, there's a lot going on, you know, and, and to me, what's going to be really important is to kind of put the hand out to our legislators and say, hey, this is what I'm working on. Of course, our door is always open. We want your ideas. But I think what I just laid out is a very bipartisan list of things we want done for our state. And if Alaska's strong, then America is stronger. And that's going to be a message that I focus on a lot tomorrow. Okay. Good for the country. What happens here, it's not just good for us, it's good for America. Gotcha. Under- that's very understandable. Now, I, I did take some interest in, you mentioned talking more about uh, mental health, especially for, your, for young Americans yeah. in your speech. Do, do you want to elaborate maybe a bit more on that front? Well, you know, there has, there has been this really big surge in depression, in suicide ideation, in suicides for young Americans. The numbers are, I mean, I'll touch on a couple of them tomorrow, but the numbers are just through the roof in terms of what's happened. And it's really been in the, in the last 10 to 15 years. I think the pandemic kind of, you know, poured gasoline on that uh, fire. And, and it's not an easy problem to solve, of course. Like, if you had one solution, you know, we would be all over it. Uh, but it's something my team and I, working in a very bipartisan way, I've been working with the Surgeon General of the United States, this guy named Dr. Vivek Murthy, who's a very impressive guy. But I will say one thing I think and um, is that social media certainly hasn't helped, right? You have this entire generation of young kids 
who have been raised with the iPhone in their face. And the big tech companies want to get young Americans hooked on social media, being on it eight or nine or ten hours a day. And uh, they've succeeded in hooking Americans. And I just don't think it's good for the country. I don't think it's good for the youth of America. And so we're looking at ways to maybe limit that uh, until people are older. I mean, we do it for all kinds of things in our country. I think we're going to look back 20 years from now going, what were we thinking? Why did we let our children be so kind of overwhelmed by this? And so that's an area, but there's a lot. And I think a lot of people are diving into it. The good news is, like I said, back in D.C., it's a very bipartisan issue. Nobody wants the youth of America to be so uh, depressed and dealing with these challenges of suicide. We want resilient, strong young people, right? And that's what we're going to try to achieve. Okay. And and that's definitely good to hear, especially as someone who is a lot closer to that demographic than I may actually appear, (laughs) if any of you know what I actually... Well, what do you think? I mean, do you guys think it's a problem? Everyone I talk to who's in that age group says it's definitely a a problem because everybody knows someone who's really struggling with these kind of issues. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would agree, you know, even even now, I still know a lot of people that I'm close with that have always struggled with mental health issues. Yeah. And it's there's a lot of facts that go into it. I've, I would agree with the pandemic certainly pouring gasoline onto it. Yeah. But then you also have to factor in the nature of just everything else that's going on. You Obviously, you have the invasion of Ukraine, which then can add a lot more anxiety just in the back of your mind, thinking, oh, that's something that, could, if that escalates more, could end yeah. up impacting me more directly. Right. No, there's... Uh there's a lot of things, and like I said, to me, the key is bringing resilience and strength, and um, and then very importantly, and, and this was something I learned when I've been dealing with a lot of these addiction issues, is we want to we want to get rid of the stigma, right? You know, people who have mental health challenges, we should view that as like someone who's got any other kind of sickness, right? Like diabetes or cancer. Or, you know, not stigmatize that aspect of health. And, you know, mental health is, is real health. And I think we need to do a better job collectively on that, like addiction, right? That addiction is not some kind of moral failing. It's people who need our help. And I think that's kind of the way I view the mental health challenges as well. Definitely. And much like addiction, there's evidence to show that there are inheritable traits related to mental health. You're correct. And Absolutely. so those are very important things to keep in mind, especially when you're trying to get rid of that stigmatization. Like, hey, for some people, it's not, there's obviously there's nothing that they've done. They've, they had a predisposition to be in that position. And that's like other forms of uh, sickness, right? You know, diabetes, like I mentioned, or other things like that. So anyways, and it's always good, I think, to try to lay it out in the ledge speech and then what happens inevitably, which I really appreciate, which is why I view this speech as so important, then we get the good ideas from the legislators, right? Because a lot of these are state issues that the feds can help on. And so um, that's the goal for tomorrow, and hopefully it'll go well. Okay. And then another big one that you mentioned was the Willow Project. Obviously, we want more resource development. We want to be able to use the resources that we have in the state. So for the say for the normal person, may not be very aware of the Willow sure. Project. Kind of give them a breakdown of what that is. Well, it's in the National Petroleum Reserve of Alaska. So typically, that's called NPRA. That, that was set aside decades ago by Congress 
for resource development. So typically things in the National Petroleum Reserve of Alaska have not been controversial. It's not like ANWR in some people's mind, which is controversial, although the vast majority of Alaskans view that is not controversially needed or pebble or... So NPRA has been like, hey, of course, we, we need to develop our resources in that part of uh, our state. This is a very large uh, project, about a $9 billion investment estimated from ConocoPhillips, the construction of which, if we got the green light, could literally start tomorrow. There are Alaskan workers ready to go and deploy up there tomorrow. No kidding. The uh, estimates are about 2,500 jobs to build this. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's gigantic. Um, about uh, revenues of about over $17 billion for the state and federal government and North Slope Borough and some of the local communities. Uh, highest standards in the world uh, in terms of the environment. Lowest greenhouse gas emission um, uh, profile of any major energy project in the world. So it meets all these standards and it's plugging in to our Trans-Alaska Pipeline System, which we all know is two-thirds empty, um, a max production of close to 200,000 barrels a day. We need that. Alaska needs that. Our North Slope communities need that. But America needs that. And here's the thing I'm going to mention. This has been a giant frustration of the Biden administration. They've slow rolled this. They put out an environmental impact statement, very important, last week. Senator Murkowski and I, Congresswoman Peltola, we've been pressing them, pressing them, pressing them do this. They finally did it last week. But now there's a 30-day period in which we're, what's called a record of decision. That's the final, final, final thing. They've indicated they might change the environmental impact statement to kill the project. That would be horrible. That would be horrible for Alaska, be horrible for the country. And it would probably be illegal, right? I mean, ConocoPhillips got leases to do this. They pay the federal government hundreds of millions of dollars. But more broadly, if you look at what the Biden administration is doing, you, you know, might see they have gone to Saudi Arabia, the president himself, to beg for more oil. They just lifted sanctions on Venezuela to get more oil from them. Venezuela has production in terms of environmental standards 20 times more polluting than a normal project in, in America. So you're kind of like, wait, why would you guys beg the Saudis on bended knee to get more oil? And they rejected it. Go to Venezuela, a terrorist regime. Maduro is a terrorist, the leader of that country. No environmental standards. When we can do it in Alaska, in America, with our high standards on the environment, high worker standards, our men and women building it, to me, it's a no-brainer. And whenever I ask that question, shouldn't we do it here versus Venezuela or Saudi Arabia? You know, they have no answer, right? So I pressed the president of the United States, President Biden, on this, and we are pressing this literally every day. The next 30 days are going to be critical. And if you're listening and you want to weigh in, uh, any Alaskans, uh, this is so important. Reach out to the Department of Interior, blm.gov. That's the website. And say, hey, come on, we should do this. High standards. This thing's been in permitting for almost 20 years. And it's got to go. So really, really important for the state. Again, the key stakeholders, particularly the Alaska Native community on the North Slope, are really strongly supportive of this. There's lower 48, far left, radical environmental groups who want to kill it. 
and they're mobilizing right now and we need to mobilize we need to mobilize to make sure this go over the goal line so really important in the next 30 days uh for the future of our state and i'm going to press it with all i got and i'm going to ask the legislature democrats and republicans to weigh in and help that's how important it is Gotcha. Yeah, no, I always want to. I always like to focus on big things, especially with oil, because my my father used to work for the oil pipeline. He was a oh, union guy. There you go. And so that was a lot of what I would hear about growing up when he would come home. He would talk to me about what was going on up on the slope or what was going on there. And so whenever I hear those kinds of projects, I'm always like, okay, well, how are we developing that? How are, what are we what are we doing to put in the effort to make sure that that stays here? Well, you're you're raising a really good point. This is the top priority of all the building trades. I'm sure your dad uh, was a member of the building trades. If you built the pipeline so these are the laborers the operating engineers teamsters i mean all the men and women in the unions who build stuff in america certainly build stuff this is their top priority not just for alaska but for the country as i mentioned 2,500 jobs estimated think about that and these are great wages as your dad knows and about 75 percent of those will be building trades jobs so again this is kind of a no-brainer. The only groups that, as far as I can tell, oppose it are the far-left, lower 48, radical environmental groups in San Francisco, New York City. I mean, my view is, look, you, those people don't even live here, right? I mean, this really matters to Alaskans. Let's come together, Alaska, together. This is a huge, hugely important um, project for our state, but really important for national security, too. I mean... That's why members of the Biden administration are split. When I talk to the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, National Security Advisor, these members who focus on national security and economic issues, they're like, yeah, Willow makes a lot of sense. Let's do it. There's some other members of the Biden administration, unfortunately, who are more allied with these far left uh, radical environmental groups. And they're still looking to maybe try and kill it. And Senator Murkowski and I have requested a meeting with the president one more time. Say, Mr. President, can't do this. Can't kill it. I met with him another time on this. His team got back to me, said the president supports it. I hope he remembers that commitment he made to me and Senator Murkowski at the time, Don Young. Um, and he keeps it. He should keep it, right? If he tells a congressional delegation from an important state like Alaska that he's going to support it, he needs to support it. Right now it's not clear they're going to keep the president's word, and that's uh, disturbing to me. Gotcha. All right, we're going to head to a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Okay. Action Line continues. K-I-N-Y. Welcome back to Action Line. I'm your host, Jordan Lewis. We're here with Senator Dan Sullivan. Now, the next big topic we need to hit, the the trolling lawsuit that happened. Right. So this is something else I'm going to talk about in the uh, in my speech tomorrow. And, uh, you know, um, and I, I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of it, but this really impacts... Southeast Alaska's sustainable fisheries is a huge part of our rich culture here and our economy and jobs. I like to call Alaska the superpower of seafood. I'm on the Commerce Committee in the Senate, and we have oversight of all fisheries. And we're the, we're the giant fishery, right? Over, depends on the year, but over 65% of all seafood harvested in America sport commercial subsistence, over two-thirds comes from our state. I mean, we are just the giant one, and a big part is the Southeast fisheries. The troll fishery in particular provides uh, Alaska residents with really good jobs, 
hard work. Um, the stat I have, one, roughly one of every 40 people in Southeast is connected to that fishery. So what's happened? What's going on? It's uh, almost $100 million annually to the economy here, which is really impressive. There was a Seattle-based environmental group called Wild Fish Conservancy. No offense, but one of these far-left radical groups that takes extreme positions. They have filed a lawsuit arguing that our troll fishery, which is small-scale hook-and-line salmon fishery, is endangering the existence of Puget Sound orcas. So hundreds of miles away. So what they're trying to do, they're not asking for the fishery in Washington State, Puget Sound, to be shut down. They're not looking at the pollution levels of that part of the country. They're actually demanding in this lawsuit that the Southeast Alaska troll fishery be shut down. Outrageous. And not based on science. And unfortunately, a magistrate who's hearing this um, lawsuit Looks like he might be making that recommendation to the federal judge who's ultimately in charge of that. That would be a disaster for Southeast Alaska's economy, the rich heritage of our fishery here. As I mentioned, you know, these are small uh, fishing vessels that do really, that are hardworking, a lot of times owned by families. So I'm fighting this with everything I have. I'm gonna uh, file what's called an amicus brief. So I'm uh, I'm gonna get involved in this lawsuit as a member of Congress to defend this uh, our troll fishery. I'm strongly encouraging the National Marine Fisheries Service and NOAA, who are also being sued by this far left radical group, to fight this strongly. So the Biden administration needs to get in there and fight this lawsuit. But again, this is one of these things where you look and you're like, wait, why are you guys in the lower 48 so hell-bent on trying to crush our economy? Like, the Southeast troll fishery is not the cause for the orca problem way, you know, a thousand miles away in Puget Sound. It's just not. And what this environmental group is doing is weaponizing what's called the Endangered Species Act in a way that they're trying to shut down the fishery here. Outrageous, and I'm fighting it with everything I have, and this is really important to Southeast Alaska. Yeah, as I say, I saw that you had called the, the lawsuit manipulative earlier today. It is manipulative, and it's not based on science. And again, they don't even mention the problems in Puget Sound or their fishery where these orcas are. How they're kind of coming and saying, this is something that we Alaskans have to um, bear the burden of. Makes no sense. So we're fighting it. I'm going to raise this with the legislature tomorrow, and uh, hopefully they can get involved and help out as well. All right, and then I guess it leads me to our last topic. The the one thing that well at least was floating around <laughs> the the CCP balloon. Well, look. Uh, we could talk about that. I don't think we have much more time on the station here, but um, uh, this is something that I've been tracking uh, and very uh, closely for the last uh, week. Um, it's actually quite a big deal. I mean, it's probably going to be off the news here, but um, I think there's some lessons that we need to take away from this. Number one, it just reaffirms what everybody already knows 
I've been quite outspoken on the danger that the Chinese Communist Party, the People's Liberation Army, pose not just to the region of uh, the Asia Pacific and the Taiwan Straits and the South China Sea, but globally. And one of the things that they do, they just lie, right? The leadership of the Communist Party in China has no doubt or no problem looking to the world and lying. They do it all the time. You might remember the famous time that Xi Jinping, the dictator of the uh, Communist Party in China, was next to President Obama in the Rose Garden in 2015 at the White House, told the whole world, we're not going to militarize the South China Sea, the reefs in the South China Sea. We're not going to build those up and make them into military bases. That was a lie. They were doing it then. They continue to do it. He looked at the president. He looked at the American people. He lied. So what are they doing now? They're still calling this a weather uh, balloon, right, that got blown off course. That's just not true. I have been briefed at very senior levels within our military uh, services. We know that that's a lie. Okay, so that's a lesson learned for America. These guys don't tell the truth. We knew that, but it reaffirms it. And the other lesson is we can't just let the Chinese Communist Party have access to our airspace, right? This balloon was at 60,000 feet. That's American airspace. We don't let anyone in our airspace unauthorized. We don't let Russian bear bombers and fighter jets who often come to Alaska, you know, and our great men and women up at Ileson Air Force Base and J-Bear, they go intercept these, they track them, they go intercept these foreign. So we should not be allowing Chinese Communist Party spy ships to come into our airspace. So the big question in my mind is, has this been happening before? And um, there's conflicting uh, views of that that are in the news, but we got to get to the bottom of this. I've already gotten a briefing from the Alaska Command authorities yesterday in at uh, Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson. We're going to have armed services hearings on this probably as soon as we get back, as soon as I get back this week. But we need to know the answer on that, and we have to make sure that if it's happened again, that the Chinese Communist Party does not view this as some kind of precedent. You know, dictators, aggressive dictators, look at history, they probe, they push for weakness. Xi Jinping is no different in that regard. They're probing us, they're looking for weakness, and if they think they can do this on a regular basis, and they have been doing it on a regular basis, and that's the big question, uh, we need to reestablish deterrence. And my view is the next time one of these crosses one foot into Alaska airspace, we should just shoot it down and say, hey guys, guess what? You're not doing this anymore. So there's going to be an information gathering element. Has this been happening um, previously? Again, there's conflicting views on that. Um, did the military ask the per permission to shoot it down when it was over Alaska? That would have made sense. Um, they're saying that they were worried about debris on the ground. Okay, I take them at their word on that, our military members. But we need to make sure the precedent is not being established that the Chinese can think that they can do this anytime. And think about this, Jordan. If an American spy balloon flew over China or Russia, what do you think they'd do with it? They'd shoot it down in a minute. Yeah. All right? We need to make sure we're sending the same message. So I'm going to be very focused on getting to the bottom of this and then establishing deterrence to this uh, aggressive regime saying, 
you can't do that. You certainly can't do that over Alaska airspace. Next time you do it, stand by. Uh, your your little balloon is not going to last very long. All righty. Well, thank you, Senator Sullivan, for coming in and having the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. All right, Jordan. Keep up the great work, and congrats on your uh, great job here. All right. Thank you. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. K-I-N-Y.